You're listening to Kraken Fancast. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans. By Seattle Kraken fans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'm here with my colleague, Jim Cockrell, today for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk, our favorite. And uh, before we get into all this talk, lots of things to talk about. we got three games to review and some other news. Looking forward to chatting with Jim about that. But before that, we want to give big thanks to our sponsor, The Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And as I usually say, if you're not going to the Kraken game, catch the game at The Angry Beaver. But this is a rather awkward sort of uh, sponsor message, but I have to be honest and uh, let you all know in case you're not aware of it already. Our dear friends at the Angry Beaver have been dealing with another nightmare, and they've been dealing with nightmares before. Explosions across the street, uh, burglaries, uh, all kinds of issues. They can go on and on and on. Uh, But this one is a doozy, too. Uh, Of course, we had some wintry weather recently. And apparently it was a frozen pipe and the pipe burst. And, uh, you know, the Angry Beaver uh, had a ton of water damage because of that. I mean, gallons and hundreds of gallons of water poured into the bar. And so the Angry Beaver is currently closed. Bar, I understand, is scrambling to get fixed up after that burst and, and the flooding disaster and all that. But there's a lot of cleanup there's a lot of fix-up. Uh, there's insurance companies involved. There's landlord involved. There's all kinds of things. And our dear friend Tim Pipes, we wish him the best. And uh, I know uh, he wants to reopen. He's hoping for a reopen before the end of the season. Here he is. This is this is his time. This is this is the you know the the prime time for the Angry Beaver. You know, hockey season. So this is probably the, the worst time this could happen. But uh, we hope uh, we wish them the best and uh, hope uh, they can clean up and repair the, repair the place really soon and reopen. So we may this not be the end of the Angry Beaver. Perish the thought, but I have to mention that. But we'll we'll of course keep you in the loop and uh, with further word when the the Angry Beaver reopens. And we give our best to Tim Pipes and uh, and the whole Angry Beaver staff. Uh, for what they, you know, wish them the best after what they're going through. They've gone through a lot, right, Jim? I mean, my God, I don't know how how he's been in business about eleven years, and it feels like half that time he's been dealing with so many challenges. Yeah, well, I remember the gas explosion across the street. Um, you know that that thing was a big blast. It basically threw shrapnel across the street and took out a couple businesses. His being probably the worst damage. Um, but, you know, it, it shot through the windows, it shot through the ceiling, it shot through a lot of the bar and a lot of his uh, memorabilia hanging in, in double-sided cases, jerseys, this and that. Um, and, of course, you know, when something like that goes down, you're on hold. You're waiting for insurance, whatever you can do. You can't even touch anything technically yourself. And that the insurance was quite delayed then. And then he had, like you said, some some theft issues were going on. And then the whole COVID thing for three years, which was a nightmare for everybody, but that took a toll on him as well. And then this, and, and you know, there, there's several businesses I, I know that took a lot of damage in that quick snap freeze there, uh, in that, that week time or less. And, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things, whether you have a, a landlord that runs your building or you own it, sometimes you just don't know what's going on under those walls. And it just big time, you know, blew up and, 
It sucks, actually. So he's they were right on it, trying to do as much as they can with themselves, and I'm sure they're going to wait for the insurance thing. Um, I have seen some GoFundMe stuff, so you know if we can get push them over to any any of their socials, we'll have any links to that. So uh, yeah, let's let's post that for sure. Yeah, there is a yeah. GoFundMe page. You're right. I've actually contributed to it already, and uh, yeah, many many thousands of dollars because there's deductibles and things. I mean, this isn't going to be like somebody's just going to come in and pay for every penny for Tim um, if he's going to read So. I mean, that was the play. The Angry Beaver was the first, at least in recent years, really a bar, you could say a hockey bar. There were a handful of bars here and there that would be hockey friendly for sure. But obviously, thematically, it was about Canada and hockey. And uh, and this is before anybody knew about a Seattle crack. And we didn't even know we were getting an AHL team when he started it. So about, like I said, it was around 11 years or so. And, uh, you know. It's just like, you know, we're rooting for them. You know, it's great yep. to see hockey and all kinds of bars all over the Seattle area. But Angry Beaver was the first one. Lots of times that would be the only one I could watch a game at. You know, you, Jim, you and I would go along with other friends. We'd go to see, you know, Bruins game, for instance. And, you know, people, there'd be fans of the Devils and the Canadians fans and the Leafs fans. It was all these little communities all came up there. So it was, uh, it was nice to see a cross section of NHL fandom up there. So. Hopefully it can it can rise again. So I wanted to take that little uh, 90 degree turn here <laughs> podcast here to talk a little bit about that because it is news in our hockey community and uh, and it affects it affects everybody who's a fan and likes loves the Angry Beaver and it affects us. It's these are sponsors. So anyway, uh, hoping the best for you, buddy. So uh, Tim. So anyway, onward. Um, since our previous episode, now getting back to the games, we've uh, we've seen three games. And and on my mind, an arguably typical Kraken fashion, we are on a roller coaster ride with this team. We've been on a roller coaster. They have an eight-game losing streak. Have a ten-plus game, you know, winning streak or point streak, and you know, we're down, we're up, and now we're down again. You know, after this beautiful long winning streak they had, team is in the midst as of our recording of a uh, losing streak of at four as of, as of the count today the pittsburgh game which we talked about in the last episode and uh these three that uh, we're about to jump in on so you know after losing that pittsburgh game as i mentioned the kraken uh, continued that was on the road they continued their road trip going to new york to take on the rangers new york rangers on january 16th and the rangers won that game by the score of five to two um Ebeli and McCann with the cracking goals. Jer- Jared McCann's out his 17th. Man, he's still at a good clip here uh, with the amount of goals so far at this point of the season. So good for him, but not enough uh, other scoring from the guys. Uh, Chris Drieger was in net for this one, uh, giving Joey Decorded a very needed break. He Joey had a lot of games all in a row, so it wasn't surprising to see Drieger in there. And, um, you know... Um, Jim, you and I were talking earlier. I mean, didn't let, let any bad goals in. Um, you know, it was I think it was twenty three shots on them. So five, well, four went in. One was an empty netter. Um, so you know, certainly not his fault on that. It was just a lackluster in a lot of um, a lot of phases of the game, really. Yeah, it. Um, yeah, I was. I got in a little debate online a little bit about because you know people always want to come down on it. That was Drake's first start since uh, the twenty seventh. In December when we played Calgary when he picked up that win. So, it, you know, I'd been a little bit. Um, there was, he was not at fault. Uh, 
the Rangers came out quick. I think they had two fairly, you know, early, and I, you can see a little shock in his face. I think uh, it was, you know, I don't think expecting that right out of the box. Um, so that set it down a little bit, the tone down. Um, Ebbs, well, we did get two power play goals in that in that game, which was yeah, kind of nice. I mean, they were they were shooting the puck. I mean, thirty one shots on goal. Uh, you know, right. And, you know, it was a great goalie, of course, you know, stop 29 of them. But, uh, yeah, power play, they, they made that work. So, you know, there were some little good spots on it. Yeah. And it is, you know, it was noticeable that when Dunn's not there, even though we're, we picked up some PP goals there, it's it's noticeable when he's not there, you know. Um, but Riker logged 25 minutes, which is pretty mind-blowing when you think about it, because that's about max minutes you're going to get out of any one of our number one twos. Uh, and I was pretty surprised to see that uh, data on the line. Um, the first line was really the only line to speak of that was doing any kind of damage. Uh, after that, it was just no, nothing was clicking. Shastikin was, like you said, standing pretty tall. He had a 9.35 for the night. Um, New York, though, they were so good at the quick transition, turnaround, and in the zone. We seemed to just not give them any resistance. They were able to enter the zone at will just break through the neutral zone. Um, <clears throat> one thing about, we did get more, you know, we did do the shooting for sure, 31, but, you know, the New York Rangers have always had that uh, that shot-blocking defense pedigree, and they they were laying it down with a lot of block shots. So, you know, it, it looked better on paper than not. They were just able to turn and cycle and get out and do something with the puck, and, and you know, and that was the difference, really. One other then, stat I, I thought was interesting, too, they had 11 takeaways as opposed to six. Uh, yeah, and... With, with remember the last episode, I was talking about one of our big differences in the winning streak was we were really owning the takeaway department. And see, this is what happens, man. All of a sudden, like the Rangers on that takeaway, and you know, you got guys that they, they got so much skill when you break it down. And that's another thing of the three games we're going to go over here. This is some of the three best offenses in the entire league that we you know, are going up stretch for sure. Totally. I mean, when you start taking breaking down those rosters and looking at the top six, it's ridiculous. And on top of the power plays and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, the score looked worse than it was because that empty nutter, but, um, you know, it was okay. It was, it was, I think you were starting to see that, that streak come to, you know, an end. We were tired on the road. They were gone for two weeks total. You could even hear it in the media, folks that travel along with the team. They were getting burned out and tired. So it was just between that and injuries and little flu bugs and you know all that stuff. It just started seem like it was starting to catch up with them right there. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, you're you're right. All three of the, you know all these games we're going to talk about today very, against very very solid teams. Um, actually, the next one maybe against the team that's playing the best hockey right now or a month. Oh God. I mean, and you have a long flight after the New York game. You have this long flight to Edmonton, of all places. They had Edmonton, Alberta, to take on the very surging, strongly surging Edmonton Oilers. And I say that because those guys, have, well, continue to have an even longer winning streak than the Kraken just had. As of a recording, they're on a 13-game win streak. Who the hell does that? It's absolutely unbelievable. That You know, they, these guys are a testament to teams in any sport that start off poorly and, you know, people love to jump on the opinion bandwagon. Oh, well, I guess they suck this year. You know, they're, they're not too good. And, oh, they fired their coach. That You know, wow, what a disappointment. Well, obviously, these guys are professionals. And, 
you know, figure out a way quickly to turn it around because they've looked like an absolute juggernaut after that. Uh, they found a way to rebound and and so far I ha- seemingly having a great season. And on top of it is that we keep complaining. They still have games in hand, uh, many more games uh, to to make up for it compared to the, uh, the other uh, conference teams. So um, on January 18th, on, against Edmonton, uh, Bracken were one of the victims of that long win streak, losing the game four to two. Uh, this was a game that was an example of Seattle starting off quite well, as they scored the first two goals in the game. Ellie Tolvanen and Jared McCann, McCann again with another goal, uh, looking good. But then, uh, then just Edmonton just chipped away. That looked like a terrible uh, second period. Uh, Drysaddle and Fogel uh, and uh, getting getting goals, and then the Hyman, uh, you know, getting a power play goal in the third. And I mean, it seemed like maybe they were, you know, keeping up with them at times, the Kraken. But you know, they got outshot thirty-six to twenty-seven. Um, and uh, you know, all the stats, you know, with, with the exception of hits, this, Seattle was being quite physical. You can tell the guys were getting a little. Uh, you know, there were times in this game, and then also in the. Uh, in the Toronto game, things get get a little chippy at times, and and Seattle there was, there was some good effort, but I don't know. This Edmonton team is just looking like the Edmonton team we were expecting at the beginning, Jim. Yep, and that game was uh, the record-setting twelve for them, uh, most Canadian teams in history. Actually, I believe it was for twelve straight. Um, all right. Well, also this was the return of Berkey. <laughs> I mean, that was his third back and forth injury status, uh, you know, back to health. So it was nice to have him in the roster. I was actually kind of surprised. Yeah, I was too, actually. And we'll, we'll get to talking a little bit down here about line combos and what's been going on during this whole run. Um, actually a really great start in that first period. So much so that I opened my mouth and I said something like, geez, you know, this has the flavor of, uh, when the Kraken knocked off the Bruins in Boston, when the Bruins had just set their record for all-time <clears throat> consecutive wins. And right after I said that, of course, uh, we got scored on a, a couple right away. So I should have shut my mouth. Um, <laughs> somebody razzed me about that too, like, shut up. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Um, and the oil adjusted well. That you know, give it to, to the the new coach. They adjusted incredibly in that second period. Dominated, because um, I think they answered back with three that period. And you know, unfortunately, on that third goal by Fogel, I don't know if you caught it, but on, uh, on when they were coming back three on two, uh, Borgen caught an edge and went down. And that that is that was the difference maker right there. It turned it into a, basically a three on one. Um, and then remember, we also had an off. They had an offside challenge on us, and we lost that. Uh, I I can't remember who it was at the bench. He couldn't really make out the number, but you know he he stepped out or got stepped over the bench on the other side of the blue, and that's all it took in that call, which was unfortunate because that uh, that was a nice goal. It would have what was that the winning goal? Yeah, Winnipeg. No. Yeah, yeah, and that was also if he would have tallied that, that would have been the. Um, assist from Joey, I believe, because it was a long outlet to yeah, the blue line. Long, yeah, I was going to say, gee, it was a nice try by Joey. That would have been a yeah. thing. He would have had the That's, assist. Joey yes. Right. So one thing I noticed about that game, we were speaking about high-octane talent, top six guys in the league. And, you know, watching that oil power play was, one thing I noticed is like, you know, they're so good 
that in, in a typical PK situation, when you're box up, you'll get a lot of movement on the forwards pushing out to the point. You'll get D sucking in, sucking out to the corner a little bit. But Oil's so mesmerizing with their talent. I notice our guys just seem like they're glued to the ice. They don't even want to overcommit in any way because, you know, that just opens up for somebody else, right? And that's what was going on. It looked like we were literally standing still and they were just throwing that thing around like a perfect power play. Um, impressive to watch, but unfortunately not for good for us. And, you know, going back to the, you're right, the stats, the PK did, we we're, you know, two for four on that, which wasn't good. Um, and you were talking about the hits. The only reason, I mean, the hits were 36 11 us, but that's because we were chasing big time. You're chasing and, and also getting frustrated. And yeah. I forgot to mention, this is also the game where Yanni Gord uh, made a hit or went, went after Matthias Ekholm and, you know, one or both of his skates leaving the ice, even though he didn't like really pound Ekholm on it, it doesn't matter, right? You get you get a suspension on that, which he did. I, I, uh, how many games? He got two. Okay, I want everybody, you know, for 48 hours, I heard nothing but Pacific Northwest people crying in here. I want to review some stuff here. Listen. Take away the, the leaving your feet. Take away, it, was, it went from boarding to charging. Take away the even call of it. The bottom line is it was head contact, body to head. That's all it takes for suspension. People need to realize that. It doesn't matter how high you leave your feet. That's part of a call, okay? His body hit him in the head uh, ultimately, and, and that's the deal. So he that's your- up. He went up when he- Yeah, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter- the, the head hit is what they want out of the game. It doesn't matter if he's six fucking three and 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 Yanni's you know five ten, and if he jumps up on you know somebody posted a picture of him standing on a stump to do it, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's it's head contact, body, shoulder to head, whatever. That's the real two gamer about it. Um, you know, and I, for 48 hours, I'd be you just watch the game with with open eyes and, and know how the rule book works. And if, then if people come back with, yeah, well, consistency with the player safety and all this stuff. And I get that at the same time, people were trying to use the Maddie call, you know, two weeks prior or whatever. If you, we review that last time too, he got called for what it was. It was, it was basically boarding. He was side. He wasn't facing. He was side. He was following through with a shot on one leg. So when he got hit, which was the charge or the board, I mean, that is took him out and it was, it, it was bad. It was unfortunate. It was ever, but, he got called for what it is. Um, so we can go back and forth on this all day long. He got two. He actually deserved two. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to play the Homer game. I'm not going to play this. It's just what it is. Nope. Straight ahead. Straight shooter, Jim. That's what you're all good. Well, I call my Bruins out all the time. Don't I? It, it makes sense to me. So I hear you. Um, but you know, people are homers and even I thought for a second, cause you know, and, and I think I wholeheartedly agree after, uh, with you, after I saw the uh, replay, when I was just watching, right. but yeah, that seems, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, it seemed like penalty, but I was like that bad, but you're right. The head in, you know, any of that, you know, it's a determining factor. It's a determining factor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the rule. And uh, it's a rule for a reason. So many guys have been badly hurt, apparently hurt from that. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're successful. Or, I mean, I'm not saying Gord was trying to get, you know, bad. No, he, stuff, but no, he, it was like, but you get frustrated in a game. 
you know, and you're and you're and you're you're playing catch up, and you're playing, you know, uh, maybe maybe a little bit too, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, desperate. You do you do things like that, I guess. You know, some players do so. Right, and it doesn't matter what happened leading up to it or what happened after. You know, missed calls, this cross checks on faceoffs, this that whatever. People crying about McDavid getting away with this that or whatever. It it goes both ways all the time. Trust me on this. So, yep. Well, there you go. So. So uh, three games in a row losing. Will they make it a fourth? Sure. Kraken, uh, uh, look, you know, travel back home, start a four-game homestand, and that's this past Sunday, the 21st, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Earlier in the season, the Kraken lost an overtime game to the Leafs in Toronto. Uh, this time, got to see a fairly close game, or I felt it was closer than than the score, but... Uh, no, no overtime point was had in this one. Toronto winning the game three to one. The last gate goal was an empty netter. Uh, Jordan Eberle had the lone cracking goal in that game. That came in the second period. That was Eb's uh, seventh of the season. Um, you know that one. I mean, they felt like you know they they were in it. I mean, that early goal at Austin Matthews. That was that was a bummer right away, and it just seemed like that kind of. Uh, and it haunted them because they were playing pretty decently with them. Uh, I mean, Toronto outshot them 26 to 17, but uh, the rest of the stats were pretty even. And I just kind of felt like, you know, there maybe something would kind of give, but, uh, you know, Joey seemed to make made some, a lot of nice stops. I even thought Riker had a, had a good game in, in places. I mean, watching, you know, Forsland and, and, you know, old check and, you know that the guys were kind of bringing up certain moves that the Evans made uh, that were good. Uh, that was nice to see that youngster do, but um, still not good enough. And you know, we're and and this plays into it a little bit too. We can get a little more into it in a sec, Jim. But just you know, still we're we're, we're missing some guys. We're missing. Beniers is going to be out for a while. Dunn hopefully coming back soon, but he's been out. You know, Bellamere we're not going to see anytime soon. Um, Burakovsky's in and out, and you know, you you were kind of alluding to, and I think you're taking you know the you know, the changes on the lines and everything, um, you know, after a long stint, I mean, these guys are tired and a little bit in disarray right now. Yeah. Um, just a few things I want to cover on that game. Uh, I was there last night and it was a really strange game because right at, you know, right from the puck drop, there was a, a lot of energy both ways. Uh, and there was a lot of energy in the crowd because there was obviously a lot of Leafs fans there. Um, and, you know, it started with the chance, you know, let's go crack. And then back, they would just answer back with go Leafs, go. It was crazy loud. Um, you know, and, and Tanev was picking up the energy right out of the box. Kind of like, you know, he already has that energy. And it was like he was a spark plug. He was almost making up for Gordon not being there as well. You know, he got into a couple issues there on the boards. He got cross-checked. He got pissed. Uh, the fight, the this and that. So that was a nice start for energy. and. Um, but I'm telling you, you know, other than the only greens on this game was that Ebb's goal was a dirty goal. You know, he it took hard work to make that happen. And the last six minutes of the second period were actually the best for us. Cause after that, after the faceoff, uh, we, we went right in the zone. Bjorkstrand had that beautiful breakaway right off the crossbar. And then we ensued with a bunch of other Tatar stuff, getting busy and just, some really good chances, but of course, uh, Samson stood on his head pretty well there, uh, which brings up an interesting point I want to get to about too. But one thing I noticed 
we were down in shots, obviously, early in the first period. And I kept thinking, man, I mean, it was 12 six in shots or something like that. I can't remember. And I thought, look, eight, this eight, is one, eight, to, eight to six in the first. Okay. Eight to six in the first. Yeah. They weren't doing much better. And I thought to myself, you know, look, you've got minimal shots happening right now. This is when you just, you know, it's not happening on zone entry. They were struggling getting in. Um, Toronto was winning a lot of stick on stick battles. Uh, they were turning around going up. We, we had a hard time getting in much like against that New York game. And I just said to myself, you know what, if it's, if it's just a hard of a battle, get in the zone and just get some pucks on off any angle, shoot often, whatever. Cause they were, they were uh, tending to be way too selective with plays, which is, means you're going to be down in shots. Um, like I said, losing stick battles and zone entry and the takeaways like were horrendous uh, the other way around, like 19 or something. It was just crazy. So, you know, that's like, Austin Matthews is so great at ripping off pucks from behind just, and you're just losing it. And the, there was a lot of that going on. Um, but finally, you know, they, they had some great chances. I remember uh, uh, there was several big time saves from Samsonoff. And so I want to get into that. Huh? I mean, big time. Yeah. I mean, a couple, two, at least there were total goals. Um, you know, he has an interesting story. He was in the doghouse and they sent him down to the AHL for two weeks uh, just prior to this, he's only played one game before us against Detroit on the comeback. And when he went to AHL, they just sat him there just as like, hey, wake up type of deal. He didn't actually play. So this is a huge return game for him. And the the fans in Toronto have been squawking about the team performance, the team defense. And a lot of it was the goaltending Samsonov. So I'm sure they were refreshed on a back-to-back because they had played Vancouver the night before to walk away with at least a win you know, and, and their goaltender's showing something for it. But, um, you know, three to one, though, that last goal is an empty netter. So really on paper, it was two to one, which was refreshing and nice to see because I've been to every Toronto game at Climate Pledge and they haven't been good. Six, two, five, two, and they've been worse than the score, actually. So that's all I was asking for. I, I sat down and I said, just give, give, give me a game, hopefully a win, and I don't want to blow out. And it was, but it just didn't feel you know, like we had control much of it at all, even though, you know, cause there's a lot of red on this card, um, but to keep it close. And they had a chance, you know, it could have happened. And by the way, they got that goal on that um, right after the PP, I believe uh, when he got out. So, I mean, they killed it, but technically they were still in, in PK mode because of the line change and all that with them, um, you know, so it, it was closer than you think. It, it was just frustrating. That's all. And it wraps, you know, that's four losses in a row there. Um, and as you know, the schedule on paper, as we say, looks favorable. But, you know, this is so weird, this league. And I, I just don't want to get carried away because, but I do know this. These are games you have to win from here out. Got to win. Well, one, you know, Chicago obviously is poorly you know, playing team that's coming up uh, this Wednesday. So probably uh, uh, our our episode will probably come out uh, just before that. Uh, so Blackhawks, St. Louis Blues, that can go either way. Obviously, the Blues are, uh, you know, vying for uh, uh, playoffs with one of the many teams bunched together, including the Kraken for those uh, wildcard spots. That could go either way. And then Columbus, not doing great. You got to win that game. And then the San Jose Sharks in San Jose. So you're right. There is a stretch coming up. You, you got to win three of these games, if not. Well, all. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, though, even to say, 
even St. Louis is the one you said is questionable. But at this point, right now, you just got to buckle down and say we got to take it all straight up. I, I was listening to uh, on the drive home last night, uh, Benton and uh, Curtis Crabtree, which is always the great listen. To, listen to those guys coming home. I like listening to Crabtree, and I found myself nodding my head the entire ride home because he was hitting on every key point and he felt the same way about it, it's an unfortunate where we're at right now but we are to blame for where we're at you know take away the injuries and shit but the, the performance leading up with the from the start of the season win one lose two win two lose one not able to put any streaks above two forever and then finally getting the or the, the eight game loss the nine the nine otls um, it's all right here. It's on the line. What are we? Forty-seven games in. Is that right, Chris? Yeah. So forty-six. I, so forty-six. As as of uh, recording today, they've got forty-six. And and for most teams, except for the LA Kings and the Oilers, the Kings have forty-three games played. The Oilers have forty-two. Right. Everybody guess, else is in the forty-four to forty-six range. So it's right. a little more bunched up. But literally, I mean, points wise, you know, for for the wild card, uh, Kings are fifty-two. Fred's at uh, 51, and then there's a little drop-off, and literally Arizona, Calgary, Seattle, and the St. Louis Blues are all, you know, 47 or 46. And then the Wild have won a couple of games. Now they're sort of right. back in it now again. They That's... got 45. So really only Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose you can kind of forget. But, you know, seven teams vying, yep. or, you know, I suppose you could say eight, but, I mean, the Oilers are kind of on their way right now. They're going to be one well, of the top three teams. So it's really like seven teams vying for those two playoff spots. Well, this is why I say even though, St. Louis is right there. You just have to take these games. You can't mess around. You need every point you can here. You know, also, I wanted to mention, uh, Joey's still playing great. Look at his numbers, Absolutely. regardless. I so um, so it, right now, you know, let's, let's just take things, potentials, you know, uh, Beneers. Okay, we need him back. Whether his point production is down or not, whether he's having a sophomore jinx or not, we still need him back because it helps formulate the lines. Um, Dunn is huge on that point on five on five and power play. He's actually your biggest loss right now, obviously. Um, after that, you know, some people are getting excited that Grubauer, even though they just put him on LTIR uh, last week. Long, which, long term. Uh, uh, yeah. Which, which helps us uh, in the budget on the, the cap, which gives us a 5.1 in the pool not showing on the top end, but it's, it's usable. Um, I don't think they're going to do anything, frankly, if, if they can't show that they're in the playoffs to begin with. Um, you know, people are starting to talk grew, even though that just came up. Well, there's a plan going on there. You know, if he looks healthy in practices right now, in my opinion or whatever. Uh, but does that change anything? Not necessarily. Cause Joey's playing Joey style. And Chris is playing backup numbers, whatever. If it came to that point, then maybe they would do the swap with Chris and, um, you know, bring Gru back in. But I don't think that the goaltending department is not a problem right now. It's it's still production five on five. We we get that one freaky game every once in a while. We get a floodgate game, hopefully tomorrow Chris, or Wednesday. Right. Every day. Um, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it Wednesday? Wednesday? I don't know. Whatever it is, Chicago. Because uh, which is without Connor Bedard, he's still got his broken jaw to deal with, right? Yeah. In fact, I was just reading some about that the other. You know, somebody said like they posted a thing last week about him in his you know full bubble, clear bubble, and they're saying, "Oh, hockey players, 
you know, come back quick and everything or something like that. And I thought they always do. They put the damn, they wire up the jaw, put the bubble on. Sometimes they're playing within two to three oh, weeks, believe it or Daniel not. Daniel Chara, we see, we saw that with, he'd have that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, I heard, I just heard an update that he, it sounds like he potentially out still six weeks. And I thought, yeah. okay. Well, they said, they said, I guess we're like about two weeks in maybe or something. It did say six weeks. And so yeah. I don't hear you. So, yeah, so those of you who are waiting for the Connor Bernard show on, uh, you know, the in Seattle, it's not not going to happen. Yeah, although we did see him, so that was okay. Although we did shut him down in that game too. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, you just going back to you got to take the games. Uh, the goaltending's not an issue. The PK is still hanging. Everything PP people, just the five on five and goal production for the most part is has been our problem all year. That's what we got to get going, and I guess it's not going to happen until we get everybody back. Because, you know, I don't know if you looked at those lines in the last three games, but they're pretty whack. I mean, you know, they've moved around a little bit, but, I mean, I'll just give an example. Everybody knows, but I'm just going to review it anyway. Line one, uh, you have McCann centering and Tatar on the wing and Everly on the wing. Now, one thing I will say about this, you know, McCann right there is stepping up for Beneers. McCann's two-way game is totally improved. I mean, his his defensive responsibility, especially through the neutralize, is so great right now. I, I was really keen on it last night. Um, in line two is basically what line three was, but you got Wenny handling the middle now that Gord's out. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, twist there. And then line three on paper is Carche down the middle, Schwartz on the left. Burakovsky on the right, which makes sense because I, that's another thing. Burakovsky is still, <clears throat> you can tell he's still not comfortable, right? He, he's looking better and better every game. He actually had a good game last night. Uh, it just seems like he's a little tentative and that's obviously injury related. You've got to say, by the way, he took a huge hit the other day. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh God, there he goes. He's down. That's I'm like, it. Oh, here we go again. Bye. Guys. I mean, it was a massive hit. I was surprised he got up. Um, and then line four, which is the one that's moving around a lot. And has, has you know, you got uh, Devin Short in the middle, uh, John Hayden on the wing, and Brandon Tanev on the other side. So this is just, it's just kind of a really strange uh, lines right now. You know, because one time we had Brandon Tanev up on the wing on the second line. And I actually liked that combo for a while when we were looking fairly healthy. Um, it's just interesting. You know, people are talking, are we, are we going to go down and reach for Shane? Um, are we going to do this? And I, I, I don't think they're going to do it because why reach for Shane if you can't give him minutes, right? Yeah. So, um, and then you mentioned a guy uh, on there who, um, I mean, a few weeks ago looked good. I mean, he was out for a while, but he's been, a little, correct me if I'm wrong, but Schwartz has been a little quiet, eh? Um, lately. Yeah, let's just say that. I mean, considering he got out on that killer start, like what was it, nine goals in the first. Yeah whatever it was, he was leading the team forever, even when he was injured. Um, yes. You know, and that's another thing. Like I always sit there and think like, okay, who's been dry for a bit. Carche went through that spell, nine games, one assist. I suppose you could throw Schwartz in there right now. You know, he's a little bit for him. Um, definitely Burakovsky. He's got one dinger in since he's been back every time. Um, and I, I, I got to give him a little a handicap on that for what's been going on. Okay. I'll do that. Um, I don't expect much out of that fourth line, uh, except for maybe Devin Shore with the every once in a while gets a surprising goal. Like, what? What the hell? Where'd he get that? Um, and then Tatar's been a little quiet. He's doing really great 
things and, and, and control and puck and zone play and this and that, doing the right thing. One of those guys that is, doesn't have to be on the score sheet to, to prove his game, but he might be a little dry here uh, stepping up. Tolby's doing just fine. I think he got his 12th the other day, right? Um, when yeah, he's I mean, doing I, I just, you know, when I mentioned, you know, I obviously I go through the goals and, you know, McCann and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Maybe told. not late last few games, but Bjorkstrand for a while, and all you know, all these oh, but, other guys, and and uh, Ebbs is heating up though. Ebbs is finally Ebbs, heating up. I was going to say now we're starting easy Ebbs, and we were kind of complaining about him a little earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah he's 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 looking better too. But you know, it's just uh, yeah, and and Tatara, like you said, he he had some goals there, and then then mm-hmm. it kind of quieted down. But I, I see him making plays, you know, and it's, right, no, definitely, he was know. responsible for that that messy goal of Ebbs yesterday, creating it from the wrapper coming around the backside of the net, throwing it at the net. Uh that one know. that the other day, if that one hadn't been called back from Winberg, that would have been his eighth. You know, yeah. uh Ky- no, I know Moto, it was been a little quiet, you know, whatever. He came, you know, he's kind of a little streaky a little bit. But I just, you know, this is just I guess kind of a lament. It just always seems to be, you know, in these streaks like the same uh, No, you're right. There's no question. There's no then, question about it. Well, the problem is, is it seems like we only score two goals or we score six. We don't score four or five. Months, you know what I mean? It's just kind of a, yeah, we squeak one, by or win or lose, or we get that one, you know, big game against Chicago or something, but whatever. There's just guys that need to score more often, more frequently, I'd say. I mean, uh, Tanev only has three goals this year. You know what though? I, I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but that's when he got here that first year or even last year. That's over his head. Over his head. I mean, that's fine. We all love him to death. I own his damn jersey, and I love him. But these are more like his numbers, I would say, to be honest with you. And here's another thing. So was it last night he had coming down the wing? No, no. It was the other night. He had a full-on clean breakaway, and he just no hands. <laughs> and I posted something like, you know, I love that guy. He, can, he, he gets more breakaways than anybody, but he doesn't have any finish. Right, you got but a great breakaway, and that he only went, you know, but he doesn't ever get hardly. He's almost too. He's almost too fast, for, too fast for his hands. <laughs> but anyway, um, now I mean, get everybody healthy again. Obviously, get that fourth line back to where it is. Maybe get Yams more in the rotation. I know why they got Hayden up because we're sore and we're down, and we need some knuckles out there. Look, every team that comes in and plays this actually knows who John Hayden is. He came from Buffalo. He's got a reputation of fist. So if he's out there, they know he's already doing his job by being out there by policing without throwing punches. So that's why he's here because it happened after Beneers, um, and we're down in the roster. And we do we are kind of a soft team on paper. We're a small team. I think we're the second shortest team on average in the league. Um, these these are little code pads guys that teams work off of, and um, that's what's going on. So we'll see. Uh, and, and yeah, Riker's been really good, although he did have that blunder last night leaving. He left the front of the net when he should have stayed there. And, and that's when um, Austin Matthews was all alone in the slot. And so he'll learn, you know, a little mistake here and there, but he's logging some minutes. He's having to learn hard and fast and playing defense, especially in the top pairing in the NHL as a rookie is the hardest position to step into of any position. Yeah, and true. Well, we'll see. We've got, uh, you know, like I said, some some 
you know, potentially winnable games coming up. They should, you know, that they, they, they got to win. If they're going to be competitive and we can see, you know, foresee them in, in a potential playoff spot, they got to win the, this next batch of games, Chicago, uh, St. Louis, Columbus, and San Jose coming up. So looking forward to those. Uh, Joey keeps, he's, he's going good. I, I don't have all the goalie stats in front of me right now, but I think goals against average, uh, the other, as of the other day, he was like fifth in the league. That that was nice to see him uh, listed. So, you know, uh, he's, he, he's playing well and, and continues to be nice to see. So we're hoping the best speaking of goalies, Jim, being a goalies, goalies of yesteryear, that is one of them got the, whatever we're on the, the fifth or so, uh, coaching change. Uh, with uh, New York Islanders uh, hiring uh, one of their former uh, uh, rivals when he was a player, Patrick Waugh, back in the NHL coaching, coaching the New York Islanders. What do you think of that? I love this. And I do. <laughs> and, you know, for a, guy, for a Bruin guy to say he loves anything Patrick Waugh, I don't even line that up with the, the rivalry or whatever. The, I have the ultimate respect for this guy. He won a Stanley Cup his rookie year. I love his career and how it went about and all. Um, but he, you know, I saw him coaching uh, in the Memorial Cup in June up in Kamloops. Uh, right, maybe you tell me that, right. And uh, I was so impressed with his system. I mean, whether it's junior, major junior or NHL or whatever, you know, because he had his stint with Colorado and he just did okay, nothing over the top. Uh, and, you know, if you want, you can coin him the, creator of the uh, or the whatever of the seven minute eight minute pull your goaltender thing that kind of started a trend of yeah <laughs> it kind of kind of started yeah, he, a trend. he had our eyebrow raised when Haxtell did it at four yeah. mark but yeah, I know. seven wow <laughs> yeah something like that. i can't remember but yeah no he kind of started that whole trend actually anyway he went back to junior he's had a couple stints in junior and uh you know he i watched him coach what i I thought was the perfect game. It was very frustrating to watch as a Seattle T-Bird fan. Um, and I was just in awe of his system. And I thought, you know, it's just a matter of time before he comes back to the NHL. And other people were already starting to talk that, you know. And sure enough, here comes, this is another reason I like this deal is because it was a complete surprise. Nobody was expecting this. You know, Lou Lamorello, whatever, whatever he does surprises people. Sometimes it doesn't. Lou's got his ways. And, you know, he cans Lane Lambert, uh, which is kind of right on the bubble, kind of like us, very yeah, similar to our they're, club. They're a bubble team, 51 points, you know, uh, doing okay. They you have know, like like the Kraken got a lot of ties, right? Uh, overtime loss points, you know, about 11. So we know somebody else I, kind of like that. But uh, yeah, not, didn't seem like it, didn't foresee a, a coaching change with this team. No, I, I, I kind of called it, it's kind of weird. I, I kind of call the Islanders like our, Eastern Conference sister team because they're very similar. It seems like with with trends and what have you and and talent in a way. Other than they've got a couple bigger names, but um, I thought it was kind of a strange canning right there. But that just tells you Lou wants to get moving right now at the halfway season point. That's why they always say you got to be getting going. And hires Patrick, and I mean that's a huge hire, and I like it actually. And I think the fans, although you said you did find some negative press uh out there about uh, some people not too happy but people, per, people perplexed at it I, I when i look at it I'm, I'm i'm chancing that all day long that deal uh so we'll see it's either really going to work or it's just going to be the typical ho-hum let's finish out the yeah, season ball, type of deal ballsy move 
Yeah, I, I love it. And I just like Patrick's attitude uh, as an older, retired guy. Um, I didn't mind him as a player. I, you know, still one of the greatest moments was the St. Patrick's Day canning in, or when he walked up to the GM with you know, in the old Montreal forum, I was watching that live. That like day, eight man. to one or something. It was like a real lopsided. Now, yeah, it was, he should have been yarded at about goal six, obviously. And it was against Detroit and he was starting to get jeered from the crowd. And then he remember he threw his arms up you know, like, Oh really? You know, you can do this. And, and then they just waited too long. You know, there's that critical time to pull a tender, right? Like, do you do this is the time? Oh, and if you miss that time, then oh, you better go with it here. That's what happened. Anyway, it looked bad. And back then they didn't have glass behind the bench. That's where all the brass of the Montreal Canadiens, the, you know, the GM, the, all the, everybody, the president, the wives, everybody else. And I always thought that was so cool. It was the only building that didn't have glass behind the bench. And he just went up and he, you know, I can't remember who that was, but uh, just said, this is the last game I ever play here. Da, 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 da. And within what, 48 hours, the deal was done with Colorado. His career took off. He won a couple cups. Again, I, he's just, I don't know. The guy's just kind of a trip. I, I like him for a half. I, I guess I like him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know. Hope... I don't know too many you say that about. So there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go Canadian half, that is. Uh, yeah, well, it'll be an interesting move. He, he's, uh, like you said, he's had a lot of great success in the junior level and obviously, you know, amazing player. So, and he, you know, one of the old characters of, of the game. So, um be interesting to see i mean i'm looking over in the wild card chase uh, in the eastern conference you know you got detroit and tampa up there but uh you know not not new york island is only a couple of points back right and you got behind, shortly behind them you know washington new jersey pittsburgh and uh, pittsburgh they're they're all kind of bunched in and then you know montreal and buffalo a little further back although if either team got on a run maybe they could they can they can get in the mix, but it's it's a little you know you only have really two teams Columbus and Ottawa who are really out of it. So, yeah, uh, sometimes those jump starts. How many times have we seen that you know uh, happen? A coaching change or some something dramatic changes, and it especially in hockey. I mean, you can see it in any sport, but hockey, I, I just can think of back you know a number of teams where that's happened. So, and Lou Lamorello, the the GM. I mean, he's run many a team and. Uh, he, he, he knows it well, so it could be a brilliant move. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see those guys. The Kraken will be uh, playing the uh, Islanders again. They played them at home a little while back, but, uh, in February, they'll be going to New York to, uh, play them there. So get to see that on TV and, uh, see Patrick Waugh, uh, coach against our Kraken, see what happens there. All right. All right. Well, there you go. So we'll have more to talk about. Uh, we'll be back in about a week or so. Uh, we've got uh, no messages from the deep today, but we'll bring back on that. Uh, hopefully next week. Um, and that is uh, questions that uh, you guys pose to us. Um, remember, we have some T-shirts. Go to our uh, go to our Seattle Kraken Fancast We got some Joey Joey T-shirts. Joey 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 T-shirts for our boy Joey Decord, and uh, among other things. Uh, Cracking fan cast shirts and things like that. Uh, they're just flying off the shelves. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration, but we are a lot of you are picking them up and we really appreciate it. So see how crackingfancast.com. You can uh, learn more about us, buy some swag, uh, listen to our uh, podcasts. All of them are on there. Links to, to all of our past episodes and this one. 
Uh, you also can hear us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podbean as well. And uh, also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I said YouTube. We haven't done anything on YouTube. I promised we were going to when we happened. Uh, we're busy guys, guys, and some things are a little easier than said than done, but uh, we'll try. But uh, Twitter and Instagram are very in involved with, and then also on Facebook. So find us there if you haven't already. And uh, also for those of you who are uh, supporting us on the Patreon financial support platform, we thank you very much. If you'd like to help us keep doing what we're doing and you like the show, we really appreciate it. And you can go to patreon.com slash fancast and even just five bucks a month, anything like that uh, helps us out a lot. So uh, we, we really appreciate it. Like printing up t-shirts. All right. Anyway, uh, you may have noticed also there's usually another voice on here. Nathan Gunderson. What the heck happened? Anyway, Gunderson couldn't make it today, but... Uh, he promises he'll be back next week. So we'll see. Well, we'll be talking to him again soon, no doubt. So uh, cheers to Nathan. And big thanks to our producer, as always, the wonderful Jay Middleton. And thank you, Jim, for joining me as always. And uh, I'm Chris Porter, your host. And we'll be back again soon. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go Kraken. Go Kraken.